And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. And Jamie's got the right idea with this menacing lighting she has in her background. (laughs) That's a great Halloween sound. Absolutely. Because today we are talking about the ultimate gaslighting experience, the 1968 American psychological horror film, and my pick as one of my faves for the holiday season, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary, go back to bed. You know you're not supposed to be up and around. Is the mother? Rosemary. Shut up. Shut up. You're in Dubrovnik. I don't hear you. He has his father's eyes. I don't know. That was the baby crying. Didn't like the baby. (laughs) Yes, well, Brian can, I mean, uh, you can put in some baby effects. I'm I'm not going to because I think you nailed it. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Oh, I didn't like that at all. (laughs) Very apropos. Uh, beautiful. So Rosemary's Baby was directed by Roman Polanski, and this movie stars Mia Farrow, John Cassavitz, Ruth Gordon, Sydney Blackmer, uh, wow, Blackmer, Maurice Evans, Ralph Bellamy, Patsy Kelly, Angela Dorian, Clay Tanner, and Charles Grodin. There's so many people. I probably didn't need to name all of them, but you know, they're all a part of the coven. So it's also John Cassavetes. The, what? Cassavetes. Okay. Yeah. So Maybe he, I'm thinking of the name of the, I mean, in the movie. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny. <laughs> when I was Cassavetes. watching it, those were those are like weirdly close. But fun yes. fact, John Cassavetes' son, I believe his name is Nick, is a director and directed uh, The Notebook. And John Cassavetes was married to Gina Rollins. And that's her son as well. And she was obviously starred in The Notebook as the older version of Rachel McAdams. Uh, oh, that is, okay. Fun fact. On the Hollywood, you know, hierarchy, nepotism, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that is also just the line between Rosemary's Baby and the Notebook is enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me, I also just have to point out that I, uh, as much as I love this movie, I did not realize that Roman Polanski uh, directed this movie mm. and. In my recents with the movie uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I was familiar with all the Sharon Tate stuff, but just in watching the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie, really diving into everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And 
also, didn't, this movie came out in 68, and everything that happened with Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, happened the next year, which is really kind of spooky, if you think about it. But uh, it was just really crazy and wild to see that he directed this uh, movie. But yeah, obviously- he's also he's also a creeper. He's a disgusting man. Um, yeah. And I mean, I guess it would take a disgusting man to uh, make a movie make like this movie. Oh my god! Yeah, I just want to get that out of the way as the producer. Uh, yes. yep. we are anti-Roman Polanski on this podcast, but we do we like are. this movie, and uh, maybe we'll get into a little bit of how do you separate the art from the artist. That's mm. that's a great question. Yes. Yeah. So obviously, heavy spoilers for Rosemary's Baby, and Jamie, tell us all the trigger warnings that are in this movie. Yeah, um, I mean, gonna come in hot. Um, there is a in-depth sexual assault scene that you witness mm. um, there, and yeah, and they reference it a few times too. Um, there is a lot. This this takes place during Satanic Panic, so there's a lot of references to Satan and witches and witchcraft. Um, there is references to um, like a stillborn. Um, I mean, this is like not it, if any kind of like maternal trauma sets you off, triggers you. This is absolutely not the film for you. Um, just a lot of terrible, terrible things happening around pregnancy. Probably it explains a lot of my own anxiety. Fair. <laughs> <around> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. There's also some uh, some poisoning, like um, uh, um, what's it called? Like drugging people's food. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then references to untimely deaths as well as a suicide. Um, so all of these things. There's a lot of trigger warnings in this, uh, honestly. So so yeah, please please be aware before you decide to dive into this. Yes, it's pretty graphic and gory. So yes, if, if those things are not appealing to you, what Jamie said, just have a slight little pass. But overall, it is a good watch if you can stomach some of those, those trigger warnings. Uh, before we get into everything that is Rosemary's Baby, Brian, do you have some words for us? Yeah, sure. Hey, everybody. Producer Brian here. Uh, <laughs> we're uh, just getting into this Halloween spirit. Uh, no, yeah. uh, um, essentially, <laughs> yeah, follow us, uh, not just here. Um, you can follow us on social media at Talk Horror Pod, and that is wherever you are on social media. So we're on Twitter, we are on Instagram. We are on TikTok. I'll be totally upfront and honest with you. Instagram and TikTok is where it's at. Um, Twitter, mm-hmm. we're, we're, that's not our thing right now, but those two are where we're, where we're making things happen. So follow us at Talk Horror Pod. And, uh, you know, we want to hear movies that you would love to see us do. So, um, uh, you know, you want that uh, breakdown, that mm, brains breakdown. We're happy to do that mm-hmm. for you and talk about our likes and gripes. So let us know in any of the social media. I'm watching them and we'll definitely take those suggestions. So uh, thanks so much for following us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Now we got to do a two minute plot summary and I'm assuming I will take the reins since this is the movie that I chose as my Halloween favorite. But I have to tell you guys, Today, I went to the movie theaters and I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh! 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So (laughs) it was it was an experience as me and some of my castmates. We went to the local Alamo draft house because we had to do it up, you know, get a full food menu, drinks, lounging chair experience. And uh, we watched this movie and. I will I will say, you know, it it fed my slasher love mm. and it is it is also very time capsule-y and I'm explaining mm. this terribly, but this is a movie that when you watch it, you will know exactly what year mm. <laughs> it is, the generation that it surrounds because it definitely feeds into the Gen Z-ness uh, of teenagers, you know, partying and doing the things, but a lot of emphasis on technology, a lot of emphasis on how the culture is as far as being woke and being politically correct and also discussing mental health and all of those things. So that's something that I did appreciate about the movie. But it's definitely, you know, your basic slasher movie and I'm glad that these are still you know coming out for me it wasn't life-changing but it's something that if other younger people are getting into horror I feel like this will be their nostalgic moment when they get older Uh, so it's nice to see kind of the 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 transition and the introduction into uh, younger people, because, you know, we, we talked about movies like Scream and that already has a built in audience and it brings in new people with the sure. younger actors. So you have those things melding. But this is absolutely for the younger uh, audience and mm-hmm. they feed into that. And I think that that's beautiful because, the, you know, they need a place for that, just like we had our our place with that not like we're 50 60 70 years old but you know it's nice it's i'm nice so old you remember when we saw <laughs> right. urban legend in movie theaters because <laughs> that's how it felt i was watching this and just thinking to myself oh yeah this is for this is for high schoolers did you like this, it i did i enjoyed it like i said it it, it fed my slasher love of it hmm. But I think that I am definitely because I am older than those people. It's some of the some of their characteristics were annoying because it was just young people doing dumb young things in our in technologically advanced world now. You know, and, and it, but I feel the same when I was younger watching Scream and people making dumb decisions. It's the same thing, sure. but. It's different because when I was watching Scream, I was at a younger age. And now watching this, I do kind of feel like the grumpy older person was like, what the, what the hell are y'all doing? But it's still funny. And the acting, oh, the performances were fantastic. Everyone was acting their asses off. It was believable. And the if you walked into any high school now and saw how kids are interacting, it, that's what this movie was. And again, that feeds into me being old and being like, oh my God, yeah, I'm, <laughs> why would I <laughs> ever be in a room with all these kids filming all these like dance TikToks for no fucking reason? You know, like this is wild and crazy. But I definitely think it's something that y'all should go and watch. And cool. um, 
maybe we should do on the podcast maybe one day but i i enjoyed my time and it was a good time in the movie theater too to watch it with other people and experience that so well yeah, yeah. jamie and i also went to the movies today you uh jamie what did we see we saw we saw jaws yes in 3d in 3d Jaws in 3D. I love that. Yes, how was it? It was, it was super fun. It <laughs> perfect. It you know, okay, this is like very embarrassing to admit out of admit out loud. However, I had missed the <laughs> first eight minutes of this film. Why? I literally never watched by accident. So like oh, the only okay. reason I watched it was because it was on TV. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll put it on. I've never actually seen Jaws. And I, it was eight minutes in. And I was like, I'm not I, – I don't want to, like, not watch the whole thing just because I missed these eight minutes. So I literally mm. watched the rest of the movie because it was on TV. And I just never saw those first few minutes. But uh, glad I did. Um, they were a good eight minutes. Um, and it was really fun. It was a lot of fun. It was good quality, too, for being 3D. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. So was the theater just doing a, kind of a night of older movies and said, yeah, here's Jaws 3D? I think, I assume it was because it's Labor Day weekend that they were doing mm. like a summer, like end of summer um, related type of event in theaters bringing it back. But I could be yeah. sense. No, no, that's right. They re-released it in IMAX and in 3D. They restored it a little bit um, and it was crazy crisp it was beautiful the 3d was not distracting at all especially mm-hmm. i mean spielberg's sh- cinematography and his like the framing of all of it it's just so beautiful and like he already has these things in the foreground and the background and mm-hmm. the way that he uses the focus in these like it actually lended itself well to it without being like this like kitschy thing if that makes sense um yeah mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily add anything to the movie but it didn't take away anything what i mean it's one of it's my favorite movie it's one of my favorite movies like i just had a blast it's so good it's it's my favorite horror movie it's an animal attack movie and the jumps the jump scares still hold up nice yeah oh that's good spooky yes i love that so good actually don't i need to also watch it all the way through because i definitely have not (laughs) watched jaws all the way through but so that's awesome both sad and happy that i'm getting you to do these things (laughs) yes Monster Squad, Jaws, all the things. It's going to yeah. be a great time. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, right. let's get into it. Plot summary, activate. What's the plot? <laughs> okay, so let me, let me, I opened up the calculator by accident. Oh, uh, yeah, you can just count <laughs> one right. by plus one, plus one. Yeah, plus yeah, one, yeah. Plus one, plus one, plus one. Ready, plot summary, go. Okay, we are in the 1960s in New York, and oh my gosh, those apartments are so big and amazing. How much do they cost? Because it's an actor and a woman who doesn't do anything. How are you paying for this apartment? So we have Guy and Rosemary. They move into this apartment. Guy is an actor trying to do the things, and they want to have a baby. And so they uh, also have these neighbors that are really kooky, older people that are all in their business. And so... One night they go to the older people's apartment for a dinner. And when they come back, 
Guy and Rosemary try to have a baby. They find out that they're, she's pregnant. And so now she's just trying to go to the doctor, do the things. And the older couple says, oh, no, you should go to this doctor because he is the best. And uh, she says, okay, cool. I also forgot the point that she met somebody else who was living with the elderly couple. And then that woman committed suicide. And that was really crazy and kooky. Uh, the elder couple gives Rosemary this necklace. It says it's good luck. And she keeps it because somebody died in her building. And so she wants good luck. Uh, and now eventually she she finds out that she's not getting any bigger. She's actually feeling very sick and she's asking the doctor what's going on. And he said, pains are normal. It's fine. Um, she gets all of these little herbs and stuff from the elderly family that lives next door. 30 seconds. Is, oh my God. Um, and so she thinks that everything is going crazy and her husband is saying, no, everything is fine. And then eventually she kind of gets better and she uh, eventually finds out that the older couple might be satanic panic people and wants her baby for a sacrifice. And so her husband's saying, no, you're making it up. And eventually she finds out that she's right and she has the baby and the baby is actually Satan. <laughs> Yay! That went by so fast, it felt like it was only a minute. <laughs> the plot. Well, you talked a lot about uh, New York real estate. So I mean, you have to. Yeah. That apartment, really? That apartment was gorgeous. Yeah. And he only that. is an actor that's been in two plays and a couple of commercials? And you can pay for that? Wow. The 60s, man. Fun fact, the exterior of that building is the Dakota in New York, um, famous because it's right on Central Park, also infamous because that's where John Lennon lived and was shot and killed. Ah. Um, but uh, yeah, when, when that opened up at the beginning, I was like, that is the Dakota. And then I looked on the internet and it said, you're right, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> just like that series voice sounds just like that. Yeah, 100%. Crazy. Wild. <laughs> Wild. So obviously I've seen this movie before, uh, but Jamie, have you seen this? Yes. Yes, I have. Zero this was, right. I, I watched this in, uh, in high school um, oh, wow. for the first time. Yeah. And this was, uh, <clears throat> the reason why this is my favorite, this is my favorite horror movie for those that are joining nice. us for the first time right now in this moment. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> nice Hi. to see you. This is my favorite horror movie. Yes. I needed you to know. Um, it's, it just, it doesn't have to be like super, like, I don't think that it's super aggressively scary, but mm. between like the infuriating gaslighting that happens in this, like it's, it's so, it upsets me greatly when people aren't being listened to or led to believe that like what they're experiencing isn't real. Mm. Um, like that is like very scary to me. And, um, and also like, I mean, Mia Farrow is excellent in this movie. And like when she's screaming, like those scenes where she's screaming, it just like, it's such like raw, intense emotion that also scares me. The sounds mm. she's making, like really get under my skin and, and like you feel for her. There's just so much, like there's so much emotion. I think the other thing that like also gets you is like 
you know, it's just a mom that wants to like protect her child. And, and like, that's, that, you know, is something that like anyone can get behind. And then the thing that like truly, and we'll, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into in likes and gripes, Mm -hmm. but I'm going over anyway, is like (laughs) when she goes to get a second opinion and like returns to her first, um, OBGYN Mm -hmm. and like that guy's not, evil like he's not a bad guy he's genuinely doing what he thinks is the right move and Mm -hmm. as somebody who has newly taken a training on perinatal mental health um you know like i i do not blame the the second obgyn at all really i think that like based on how she's presenting like he only met with her once And like, you know, there are, there's certainly like mental health things that, that people can be at risk for during pregnancy. So like it, it's so, it's upsetting because what she is reporting is actually true. And, but the way that she's presenting it doesn't seem like it's based in reality, but like, I, I don't, I do not fault the, the obstetrician for like calling her husband Mm-hmm. even in her moment of like needing help and and yeah that it's just like it's so it's so upsetting that scene but like it that felt truly very real like that seemed yeah. like a a decision that like made sense in, in my mind so in that moment um, yeah. so the, for those reasons I find it great and terrifying and I really enjoy this yeah for sure Well, let's just go ahead and get into it with our segment of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. Beautiful gowns. So, of course, this is a, I don't know, uh, this is such a standard in the horror movie world. And my first experience with this was uh, three years ago, I watched this for the first time, um, in the middle of the night, it was 1am and it was streaming on something. And I said, okay, I just want to start watching this movie. And (laughs) I didn't realize it's a two hour and 15 minute movie and it, it goes for two hours and 15 minutes. And I was so invested in it that I just stayed up and watched it all the way through and thought to myself, this is wonderful. My anxiety was on 10 the whole time. And just like Jamie said, which is one of the reasons why I love this movie is that it's not heavy in scares or gore, even though there are some bloody moments, but it truly is you, the, as the audience and this woman going through these experiences in real time, knowing that something is wrong, especially as an audience member, because we know that this is a horror movie. So we know that there is something on the other side of this that is not adding up and we're figuring it out with her in real time. And the tension of that is so present that I just, I had to know what happened (laughs) at the, at the end of this, you And it's a slow burn, but not in the sense of it's boring until you get to the good parts. From the start, it's just very, you're invested, especially with the fact that there are murders in the building that have happened and 
other kooky, spooky things. And so you think, oh, is it going to go that route? Is there something wrong with the building? You know, but it's actually just the, you know, I don't know. Are they technically witches? Are they just followers of Satan? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I guess it is witchcraft, yes, because they have the whole book on, on witchcraft. Uh, but yeah, I love everything about this, especially how it's shot. Um, there was one scene that I thought was really interesting when they were all at the dinner table um, for the first time at the elderly mm. uh, couple's house. Sure. And there's this shot where uh, the the wife, the, the elderly wife, I forgot what her name was. And she always says pregnant. Minnie. <laughs> Minnie yes. And she was, she won an Oscar for this. Oh, I mean, she was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But the shot is her in the forefront and then her husband in the back at the dinner table and she's not doing anything but eating. And he's the one who's carrying the exposition in, in the story. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you should be focused on her because she's in the front of the shot. And mm-hmm. I just thought that that was really interesting to see, you know, her doing something that's just, you know, a menial, whatever. She's just eating. And he's the one who's giving the exposition, but he's not in the forefront of the shot. And I just thought it was really cool that um, he pre- he presented that scene in that way. And yeah, just all of the uh, dream, kind of lucid dreaming that she does, which we find out that she's being drugged. I love, 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 love us, you know, hearing her kind of snoring and then you see the vision of her dreams and then in combination with what's actually happening. And so you don't know what what parts necessarily are real and what Mm -hmm. aren't real. And I think that was just so spooky to know that, in some instances, she is asleep, but still awake. And so just having that creepiness of the of hearing her breathing and snoring on top of the dialogue of her dreaming was genius. Um, I also love the comment about the, the trope of self-centered actors and, you know, that that whole thing. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get uh, deeper into that. But watching it, this is actually technically only my second time watching this movie all the way through but when you watch it a second time you really see the progression of guy the husband Mm. uh when he first um talks to roman yeah i guess his name is roman the elderly Mm -hmm. man yeah and him his his gaslighting trip and it's just, it's, you don't think about it at first when you first watch the movie because you don't know exactly what's happening and who you can trust and who you can. And so, uh, also Jamie, when, when she said the baby would be due on June 28th, I said, no, the baby is a cancer. I know. I was like, don't say the 23rd. Don't say the 23rd. I don't want to be, this isn't the way I want to find out. I know know. you have to share the same birthday with Satan. That's not, that's not cool. Uh, and Jamie also touched on this too, just the wild idea of a mother's kind of instincts too at the very end that even though this baby is not a true human baby, she still has this motherly instinct to care for it. And that in itself is so wild. I wish that we could speak on that more, but we are not parents. <laughs> so we don't know that life. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see that and know that 
that could truly be a real thing because of the maternal instincts that you do have with your child that you birthed out of you. So crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, I don't have many gripes. The only, I don't have gripes about the movie. The gripe is just about the husband because he is a horrible husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not necessarily, I mean, the movie did a great job at presenting that. So yeah, I mean, Guy Woodhouse, welcome to the Bad Husband's Hall of Fame. The Bad oh Husband and Boyfriend uh, Horror Hall of Fame includes characters like Micah from Paranormal Activity. Uh, but you, my friend, are the worst, hands mm-hmm. down, true award, Guy Woodhouse. Welcome to the my gosh. Worst Husband Boyfriend Horror Hall of Fame. Horror Hall. My gosh. Jamie, do you want to go into your likes and gripes of this movie? Sure. I agree with a lot of what you already said. Those dream sequences are like, are very interesting, especially because like, I think we very loosely get that Rosemary uh, grew up Catholic. And so like, Mm. there's also a lot of like, Catholic imagery and and references and stuff that are in these dreams, which is very interesting, obviously in contrast with Satan. Um, But um, so there's that. Um, Something that's a gripe of mine, and I think adding on to Guy like being the worst is like generally overall, the tone of this is like very much infantilizing rosemary and Mm -hmm. and like a lot of the female characters um but like especially her and like you know there's the part about how she as you said does not have a job um Mm -hmm. and so like you know i think speaking on the time like his at-home wife just like chilling at home not doing much like he is the he's the breadwinner but like mm-hmm. the like part of it I think is happening in the way that he's communicating with her and gaslighting her but he's also like you know trying he's like bullying her into eating the dessert and and like trying to make her feel like shit which is really awful. I, I forget. Oh, he like calls her for like, he's like, there's always something. And like, yeah. clearly that sets her off. And like, that was awful. Um, but yeah, it just, it feels like between that, between obviously like, you know, the relationship with, with the neighbors as they are elderly and don't have their own children, they like take to Rosemary and Guy and like take them kind of under their wing. But like, yeah, Minnie's, overbearing nature is also just like taking this power away from Rosemary and like, yeah, rendering her like a child herself. Um, and like the gaslighting isn't only coming from guy. The gaslighting is also coming from her piece of shit. OBGYN, Dr. Saperstein, um, Dr. Abraham Saperstein. (laughs) Welcome to the bad doctors horror hall of fame. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, who who is he joining? The guy the, from uh, uh, what was it? Hypnotic. Hi- hypnotic. Hypnotic. Yeah. Hypnotic. And the doctor from um, what the they two slash sisters? Them. No. Uh, yeah. Oh well, yes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes. Tales of this. Uh, 
The Uninvited. The Uninvited, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then uh, there's a lot more. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of doctors. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I would say, you know, Dr. Saperstein, pretty – pretty garbagey mm-hmm. um tells her not to read books he basically is like isolating her from information and people like don't talk yes. to your friends don't read books mm-hmm. ignore all of that you're totally fine even though she describes the pain as like like a hook around her insides um yes. that doesn't months. sound fine for it's like is it the whole first trimester it's the entire yes. first trimester it is because she started in November and nuts. then she had that party in like February. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, wildly upsetting. So yeah, huge gripe. Like how, how, how is this man allowed to be operating in this way? How is there no oversight committee? I don't know how doctorisms work. Like someone, someone keep an eye on this guy because he is mm-hmm. not a good guy. Um, checks and balances people. Yeah. So yeah, most of my gripes are just like, I mean, I think it just speaks to like why this movie is so good is like everybody being a garbagey person. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do, I, I really enjoy the way in which Rosemary like gets the information both between Hutch, her like former landlord, um, RIP, um, mm. getting the book, being confused about the clue. But I was like yelling out from my couch as I typically <laughs> do during horror movies where I was like, why would she think that the book is the book name is the anagram? Like, just like mm. turn the dial up a little bit more on your brain. And then as soon as I said <laughs> that, she literally was like, oh, let me open up these pages. And I was like, yes, do it, Rosemary. Um, but I, I love that her first instinct was to like take out Scrabble to like just have all Figure the letters out. out and like mm-hmm. rearrange them. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was very clever because I, do, I would not do that. I would write it down. I would like mm-hmm. make, I would do handwritten anagramming. Um, yeah. I probably wouldn't actually figure it out because I'm not smart. So, um, all of that <laughs> is. That is not nice. true. Yeah, She's very smart. smart. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I love all of that. I, th- oh, here's another gripe. This is my last thing. Um, the, <laughs> the one woman who wears the big, thick glasses, um, Laura just like, Louise. She is a she's a bitch. She I is. do not like her. There's like up until this certain point, she's just like there and like not really speaking. But then all of a sudden, she's just like very rude. Mm-hmm. Um, she and she's also terrible at, at keeping this a secret. She's like, oh, don't put the spoon in the in the breast in the milk. milk that we're yes. throwing away. Uh, it's just not good for cleaning. Uh, um, I was, ma'am, like. The figure your shit out before you start being so awful to her. And then wildly aggressively pushing the the um the, the bassinet. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. ooh, nobody, nobody rocks a baby like that, even if right. none of them have had their own children. Like no one's like like, what are you doing, ma'am? <laughs> it's like she's never been around any young child or anything before. Yeah. Um and then gets like real smarmy when Rosemary's like trying to actually be helpful in that moment. Like, why do you care if she's trying to be supportive? Isn't the whole point to like, you know, make sure that the baby is okay, even if it's 
Adrian, Satan's son. Right. And and so, yeah. And then and then to top it all off, she sticks her tongue out at Ugh. her, which just like makes me really mad. It just like I, I just I've had you, Laura Louise. Mm, that's what I have to say about you. <laughs> anyway, she's my last gripe. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree wholeheartedly, <laughs> Brian. Okay, <clears throat> likes. Oh, so I have only seen this once before. Um, and one of my gripes about this movie is I don't remember seeing it the first time in terms of like, I don't remember the experience of seeing it the first time of like going on, like figuring it out along with them, not knowing how it ends because this time through, I know how it ends. And it was like, it was really fun to watch guys journey. Like Nikisha mentioned, especially when it's like, when Roman first brought it up to him when they're sitting on that couch, when mm-hmm. he goes down to them the next night to probably work out the terms of everything, him getting that phone call with the actor going blind, him realizing that they're that like that's their first promise and they're keeping their promises for him to be able to do this. Like I liked watching Guy's journey. I think John Cassavetes does a really good job as Guy in this. Um, like an excellent job. The only gripe I have with the actual movie, like, is the fact that I don't think they do a good enough job. They don't have to. But I think I, w- I would have liked a little bit more explanation about why exactly she jumped from the building. Um, um, I don't think they ever explicitly say, like, oh, they were trying to get her to be the mother and then she didn't want to. Or, oh, they were controlling her and then, and then you know... Th- Rosemary showed up and people were like, and she, the devil was telling them to use her. And so they killed the other, like, I know that they did. I know that they controlled her to do it. I, I we never find out what's on the, the note. Um, uh, I'm wondering if like, they like paid off the police officer or something like that. Like there's something mm. else going on there that interests me. And they, it's not important. They never discuss it regardless. Also a gripe is like, Cops are just like showing the dead body to everybody yeah. on the side of the street. Okay, sure. The Mm-mm. 60s were wild, baby. All right. So, wow. likes. I loved Mia Farrow singing the lullaby to open and close the movie. I think it's super creepy and I loved that. Um, like that sex scene where they're like eating in the on the floor and then she's like, Do you want to like do it here? And he's like, Yeah, sure. It was not sexy um at all. And I'm wondering if that was on purpose. To just show, like, that, like, I don't know. He He's also afraid to have a baby because, like, of his career. And he doesn't right. want to, like, be bogged. I don't know. I thought I was interesting. Um, like the quote, you really should discover the swinging world of Yamaha. Great line. Oh, from the commercial? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like Guy Woodhouse sounds like a porn star name. Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Um. <laughs> One of the one of them in X. That yes. Have been one of them yeah, X. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like uh, very New York neighbors, and something that I liked about this movie that I don't think was on purpose at all, or maybe it was, and I'm just like, I'm just like really smart. No, but um, something I really liked about this movie is that Mia Farrow is the only person in this movie giving a naturalistic performance. I feel like she's a real person. 
I feel like her mannerisms, there's that one scene that she was, she was just like, Oh, you know, you don't have to go if you don't want to or something like that. And then she like mm-hmm. stops like, you know what? That didn't sound genuine. I actually mean, you don't have to go if you don't want to when they're talking. I forget that scene. I yeah. like that scene go to dinner for the first time. Yeah. Yes, like a couple mm-hmm. that's so like, she's just so wonderfully naturalistic. It doesn't even feel like sixties acting. It feels like this performance could be pulled out of this and put into like a contemporary remake if they ever do that. And like, mm-hmm. and it could be like that. Cause I know that there's the, um, there's that made for TV one was Zoe Saldana. Um, and then they're mm-hmm. making a, uh, they're making a um, prequel to this called like seven a or something like that. Um, yeah. the apartment. Anyway, my point being um, that I really, because she's so naturalistic in this and everyone's kind of over the top, it actually plays really well with the gaslighting. Everyone is like super over the top in their 60s acting, like the next door neighbor, the friends, even him at some times. Like it's all just kind of like either very bad 60s acting from extras or smaller parts or like like over the top acting. And I feel like that makes her character pop even more. And Mm -hmm. as she's the real person who know that that is like, actually going through these real things and everyone's lying to her because they're like over the top. And that really worked for me on this second viewing. I don't know. That's a like by accident, potentially. Um, yeah. Another like is Jamie saying uh, during the movie Omaha with that accent. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Rosemary. <laughs> Rosemary is not from Omaha with that. Like, <laughs> like very like twiggy, accent absolutely um, she is twiggy. yeah um a gripe just because it's gross not necessarily with the movie um is that his excuse for her scratches is that he raped her and that his excuse for that was he was drunk it's it's mm-hmm. like you, there are there are other lies you could have told like that's not a disgusting creepy one um, exactly uh, yeah, that that just like blew my mind in the moment um and it wasn't passed over. It clearly affected her the whole movie and her character. And I didn't feel like it was like a forgotten piece. You know what I mean? It just, it was another straw on the camel's back yep. of these horrible things happening to this poor woman who just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, yep. Like, I like that she was presented as a smart woman who reads. It's not like she's this naive dummy bummy. She's like clearly a very smart person who is just like being massaged into doing all these things because they're, they're basically preying on her vulnerability of being pregnant and like wanting to take care of her young. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I've said this in previous episodes. I hate movies where people lie to people on purpose. Um, yeah. And this just frustrated me the whole time because I know this is the point of the movie, but like, I hate it. Um, the pain be gone. Oh, when she goes, pain be gone. I'll have no more of thee. That was my favorite line. <laughs> oh, I wrote that down too. Oh, amazing. Favorite. <laughs> um, I love that uh, she carries a whistle to call cabs. Oh, Minnie, right? Yeah, Minnie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that uh, someone calls her a dirty dink. <laughs> I don't even remember that. At some point. I don't even remember when. Oh, God. Um, upsetting that she's telling people about it. I don't know what that means. Uh, 
the post party scene is the best scene in this movie by far where they're like where she's gaunt sitting in the middle of the celebration cleanup she's just so disgustingly gaunt it's like very uncomfortable and he's just like freaking out that she wants to see another doctor and she has like no autonomy in the situation it's very upsetting um this doesn't work in a contemporary setting because she would she would hop on the computer in a second um oh of course uh oh dr hill is the only other character that i felt was a real person charles groden's character who like was actually like playing a real person and not this over the top person who was genuinely listening to her. So when like Jamie said, when he does turn him over her over to like it's like even more upsetting because I feel like it's the first time she's on the same page, even acting wise as someone else where that's not over the top. Um, mm-hmm. uh, someone says I'm on it. I don't know. Screaming <laughs> under herself. Oh. When you hear the screaming and it's like she keeps screaming under herself while she's in a calm state in the next scene. That was just mm. like the sound design there was was goosebump inducing. Um, how did they sneak in with all those shelves? Every single time they had to remove those shelves, remove the – that's a gripe. Remove the – the towels. The towels, yes. And like, insane to me. Um, <laughs> Wait, oh. I, you you think that's what was happening? No, Guy was in on it. He just had to let them in the door. No, but they had to be sneaking in when he wasn't home. When? And doing things. I can't think of examples. But at the end, <laughs> but even at the end where... where oh, she was having flashbacks of... When she was going through the door and then she and she was walking past the the pictures and then the sound of when they first like brought her in and raped her. She was like recounting those sounds. So it felt like they did take her through that little doorway. Right. I don't think they know that that was in their home that everyone came into her home. Yeah. Anyway. If they were to sneak in, especially like at the end when she locked them out, (laughs) there's just a lot of towels and shelves to move. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I I I think you're right. Okay, um, didn't think about that part. Um, gripe me overthinking that. Um, like the greatest line in the movie. I'm sorry, Nikisha. This is the greatest line in the movie. Shut up! You're in Dubrovnik. I don't hear you. <gasps> oh, that was great. I do like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another like uh, when she drops the knife and like the knife lands in the wood. The mini. Uh, pulls the knife out and then like checks the wood. Most New York thing of all time. I I absolutely loved that moment. Um, oh, uh, the woman in glasses, Laura Louise, is also on my gripes list. Uh, like, oh, when she spit in his face, a fucking men. Yes. Um, uh, and then my, my another like is this does not feel like a two plus hour movie. It is engaging and heart wrenching the entire time. Um, and then another like an obvious like I like that they don't show you the baby at the end. It's all up. To, they talk about what's wrong with it or what's different about it. Um, mm. And then like I like that despite all of this, her motherly instincts kick in uh, with the rocking of it. So those are I know you mentioned a little bit of that. Um, mm. But um, yeah, those are those are my likes and gripes. Uh, I, I really wish I had. I, this is a movie that I would put on the I wish I could watch it for the first time again list. Yeah, because it is different when you do watch it again. Yeah. But the first time is always, whew, 
So crazy. Beautiful. Well, let's go into some mm, brains. Mm. So many things wrong with this uh, movie. And what we've been saying this whole time is the gaslighting of it all. So, Jamie, I'm going to throw out a couple of things, and then you just go to town on what you want to discuss uh, about these things. So just give us the general gist of of gaslighting. How can someone recognize when they've been gaslit? Why do people gaslight each other? Is that a characteristic of a certain personality type? Like our narcissist, uh, you know, is gaslighting a part of someone who's a narcissist or whatever the case may be. But yeah, just give us everything uh, about gaslighting. Wait, Nikisha did say general gist, so I have to do general gist. Okay, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Love it. Oh, boy. Um, okay, so gaslighting. What is it? This would fall under the bucket. This is a bucket of, okay. of like emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, the idea, I mean, not the idea, what it is, is the psychological manipulation of a person, usually over an extended period of time that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perception of reality or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence and self-esteem, uncertainty of one's emotional or mental stability and a dependency on the perpetrator. So mm. they are they are misled by an abuser or a bully, um, and they are led to question and doubt their own judgment, reality, perception of what's going on them. They might even feel like they are losing their sanity. Mm. Um, so, I mean, gaslighting, what it looks like is, it, it can look a lot of, of different ways. It could be, you know, a, a very blatant, like you, you describe an experience that you had and they're like, no, that didn't happen. Or like, you're making that up or, you know, mm. this, this, it wasn't that bad. You're crazy. Things like that, where it's just downplaying what your experience was like through lies or distorting reality. Um, they might say to others that you are not doing well. So like in this, you know, does the other is when the other OBGYN calls um, calls Guy and Dr. Saperstein and Guy come to pick her up when she's like waking up from her slumber, um, you know, like I, I forget exactly what they say, but I feel like they discredit her essentially to the doctor yeah. um, so that the doctor feels like affirmed in having made the right choice. But re in reality, um, he he didn't, um, you know changing the subject on you so that you're not able to like continue the conversation about what, like what's coming up for you. Um, if you call somebody out and they like try to change the subject, then like you're never really resolving, you know, the thing that they were lying to you about. Mm -hmm. um, minimizing again, like kind of similar to what I said before about like, oh, you know, you're overreacting. It wasn't as bad as you thought. Why are you so sensitive? All of that's minimizing how you were feeling um, and like the opposite of, of being validating. It's invalidating your feelings um, and it, you know, you feel misunderstood um, and like you feel wrong. Um, yeah. 
shifting blame. So, um, you know, if only you have acted differently, then none of this would have happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like just not being able to like take ownership for their own actions and then like putting that on, on you. Um, even though however you are reacting is probably a consequence to how the abuser, you know, initiated something, which is something that I have often reminded folks of is like, well, why, like, why did you do X, Y, Z thing? Like, where did that come from? Like, what was there, uh, like something that press precedented, a precedent preceded, (laughs) whatever the pre word is, uh, (laughs) did something happen before? Um, that's English, baby. Um, (laughs) yeah. So like a lot, (laughs) um, you know, uh, rewriting history, um, you know, if they, if they revisit this series of events, they might say it in a different way where it's, it's not actually what happened again. You might doubt your own, like trying to recall what happened based on how somebody else has like described it. Mm. Um, or often people will, um, you know, use their affection as a way to, to minimize the impact of a behavior of like, oh, I love you so much. You know, I would never hurt you on purpose. Mm -hmm. Something like that, where again, it seems like they are kind of taking acceptable responsibility and like accountability for their actions, but it's not really They're They're actually like avoiding it. Um, because again, like if they did genuinely love you, then they wouldn't be doing this to you in the first place. Um, so those are, those are several, examples of what gaslighting can look like, um, which again, I think we see a lot of that in this, whether it's, um, you know, like the scene of her describing how much pain she's been in for an entire trimester Mm -hmm. and saying that she's like demanding to get a second opinion and guy is minimizing what her experience is and saying that it's not so bad saying that she should just trust the doctor because he knows better. Um, like that whole scene. Oh, sorry. No, no, sorry. I just want to piggyback on that and say that it is frustrating because even nowadays there is the instance of women, especially in medical situations, not being believed for the pain Mm -hmm. levels that Mm -hmm. they have mostly because a lot of research that is done medically, and of course, I'm so far away from this, I don't know the full extent of it, but just hearing people talk about it and hearing about research, and it's not necessarily a lot of women uh, that are being researched in order to Mm -hmm. uh, get some conclusions about certain medical things. So when women do come in and have certain issues, it's very, it's dismissed often. And Mm -hmm. it's just interesting that this is, it's so present in this movie and it's something that we're still kind of struggling with even today because there's not a lot of research on uh, different pains within the female body, especially um, premenopausal women. And uh, it's, it's frustrating. Sorry. I just wanted to add that. No, (laughs) I mean, that's like a, that's a very good point. And like, it's often like women of color that are hurt the most Mm -hmm. um, because there is this like disregard for, you know, (laughs) for women, for women of color Mm -hmm. generally. Um, But yeah, this like, this like dismissing of how somebody is like, presenting information on 
the their physical symptoms and like yeah you know again like sure you're a doctor but what does it take for you to like actually validate and affirm that like what someone is is experiencing is real right. and like it's not hard to empathize with people at least in my opinion it's not maybe it is yeah, hard to some people. bedside manner would be great guys like, great <laughs> um but yeah so if you are unsure if you are being gaslit um some some signs that you might have experienced include doubting yourself, doubting your reality, um, like questioning your perception of things, feeling really insecure, feeling like you're walking on eggshells around your partner, feeling alone, feeling like if you are internalizing that you are strange or crazy or unstable mm. because your partner has said that about you, um, but you're like not totally sure on that. Um, yeah, just like wondering if the things – make you feel like you're wrong or, or yeah, or insane or like whatever, again, like language that a, a perpetrator has used. Um, you like feel like you are more passive and that you used to be stronger and more assertive. Mm, you might feel confused. Good. You worry that you're too sensitive. Um, all like all of these things, um, like just not trusting yourself. Um, these could potentially be signs that you are, experiencing someone who's gaslighting you. And more often than not, you know, a lot of these examples come from intimate partner violence, but it's not to say that other people cannot manipulate and gaslight you. Um, there are certainly other relationships, familial friendships mm. that can also, it, like there can, like people can gaslight anybody or you can be gaslit by anybody. Yeah. So that's just something to put out there. But I would say most anecdotes exist within intimate partner violence. Um, One of the things you also asked is like, are there certain characteristics of somebody who would be likely to gaslight someone? Mm -hmm. And I think you were asking, at least based on how we've kind of explored like the DSM and maybe personality disorders, it seemed in line with that. And I would say like, you know, you're right in that like probably something that would align with like a narcissistic personality disorder or personality type characteristics, um, antisocial as we've talked a lot about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I do think that like, you know, it, it might be a trait that falls under someone who's like experiencing like borderline personality disorder. But again, I say this all with a grain of salt because, um, you know, everybody, experiences these things differently and like not everybody is a cookie cutter same thing and so like I'm very clearly not saying that like all people who experience borderline personality characteristics are manipulating and gaslighting right of course course. um so so yeah um what are things I think it's also important to talk about what are things that you can do if you are being gaslit um because it is helpful to like, you know, try to try to perceive what's like happening to you and then how you can try to protect yourself from it. Um, so it's not all just like saying scary things, but hopefully you can be helpful <laughs> right. here. Um, right. So sometimes like if you can kind of create distance between yourself and a perpetrator, it's just helpful to like help you regain perspective so that like the 
the strongest voice that you're hearing isn't just coming from like outside of you, but that like you are able to kind of reconnect with yourself. If you're able to kind of ground yourself too, just so that you're able to kind of manage some intense emotions that might come out in, in these situations. Um, If you are able to collect any evidence that helps like assert your reality and helps you like reaffirm that what you experienced actually happened. And that can look like anything. Cause I imagine a lot of these might look like conversations. So like if any of these conversations exist in text messages or mm. like other kinds of like documented places, keep those, keep phone calls, keep voicemails. I I've worked with so many people who had like slews of voicemails from abusive perpetrators wow. and, and like all of that was, you know, like used for criminal cases and, and the like. So like, you know, both for legal reasons, but also I think like, you know, for yourself of, of reminding yourself that like this, no, this really happened because like, here's like the concrete objective evidence of this thing happening. And like, even though they said after that, like, it was an accident. They didn't really mean for it to happen, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I apologize. I'm using very gendered language and I shouldn't be because IPV can affect everyone. And like, again, yes. anybody can be manipulative and, and gaslight you or anyone else, not just you listener. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so yeah, like just having, having evidence as a way to, um, to like, you know, feel more solid in your reality of, of what actually happened. Um, and again, distance, you know, physically distancing yourself, but also like setting boundaries constantly, you know, coming, coming to a space where you're like, this is not okay. You can't talk to me this way. This is not okay. Like I'm not going to be treated this way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, you can have your own belief about what happened, but this is my belief. And like, you're not changing my belief. It's, it belongs to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, setting a boundary in a relationship that doesn't allow for your reality to be denied and your experiences to be denied and trivialized. Um, having, having a support system, like something that unfortunately happens, you know, within intimate partner violence is sometimes a loss of a, of a support system. So like if you're able to maintain connections, if you're able to maintain like whether it's family, whether it's friends, Anybody that you trust, um, being able to go to them and also get perspective on on what's happened can be really helpful, um, again, to help you, like, clarify your reality. Um, so those yeah. are just some some examples of things to, to protect yourself against gaslighting. Absolutely. Uh, quick question. Can you gaslight yourself and how do you figure that shit out? Um, I mean, I don't know if I would say that you're gaslighting yourself because I think the intention is, uh, like trying to intentionally change, like make yourself change how you're believing something or not believing something. Yeah. I think that there's situations that we maybe don't always trust our own intuition. Um, but I don't think that we're intentionally, I don't think that we can, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just trying to think of like what that looks like. Cause even the, I think if I am not mistaken, well, according to this very well mind article that I'm staring at, the term mm-hmm. gaslighting comes from an Alfred Hitchcock film, Gaslight, where mm. a manipulative husband 
is trying to make his wife think that she's losing her mind by like changing her environment and uh, mm. and and also like uh, you know exerting power and control. Right. Um, and so like the resulting uh, is second guessing herself and her feelings and all of those things. I, I, we can second guess ourselves. Um, all the time. I, I certainly am very guilty of it all the time. Um, but I wouldn't say that that's necessarily gaslighting. I would probably put that more under the bucket of like analysis paralysis or like, you know, like okay. just having a hard time trusting our own gut and like, yes. you know, figuring out like, what do I need to do in order to like trust myself more and, and like, you know, feel like I'm making decisions that are true to myself. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. So just a just a thing there. Gaslight is not a Hitchcock movie. Um, mm. But it is always – it's weird. It's this like – what is it called? Um, the Berenstein Bear thing, like Mandela effect or oh, whatever it is. Oh, the Mandela effect, yeah. People always say that it's a Hitchcock movie because it feels like a Hitchcock movie. But it's actually not a Hitchcock movie. Um, wow. Was I just gaslit by verywellmind.com? Yeah, Ooh. I think so. Um <laughs> But yeah, Gaslight. She, I think she won the Academy. Ingrid Bergman, I think, won the Academy Award for that movie. Um, hmm. Anyway, um, I have a question for you, Nikisha. Mm-hmm. Um, you're an actress. Guy is mm-hmm. an actor. Would you, would you sell out your loved one uh, 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 to get that fame? Um, because I would just like to put it on the record here in podcast <laughs> world. I would not gaslight jamie and give away our firstborn uh for this podcast to be the most popular podcast um (laughs) wow that was very specific and now i am jamie you don't have have anything to worry about because you already got that ring girl so well so did she but (laughs) i would never gaslight her like joking aside i would not do anything like that um, yes. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, now, now I'm sweating. <laughs> no, I would not do anything like that. Um, uh, but yeah. would you? Would you gaslight a loved one? But would I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, would, yeah. But, you, Nikisha, but would you, you do it? Would you do it? Well, first off, Brian, I have to have a loved one to gaslight. So let's just start there. Okay. <laughs> 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 let's let's put somebody in front of me and then see <laughs> what wow. would happen uh no i mean you know the and, and it's so funny because the whole trope of the the self-centered actor and you know whatever getting your rocks off doing you know being the center of attention and all that like that's not not my vibe I am a very introverted person by nature and it's a miracle that I even like want to step foot in front of people and do anything. Uh, (laughs) But it's, it's truly, it's, it's about the, the art. And also there's so many other things to do. It's not, it's not that serious. I mean, you know, we're all going to end up in a grave anyway. So what's truly the, the point? The point is, is that I would not in any instance do anything. I mean, that's like what? What was the movie? Starry Eyes, and that yeah, whole yeah. feel of what would you do to get success? You know, because half the time people who are at the top have the most miserable time anyway. I'm not trying to go out like that. You know, let me just it's have also, a good time making some money, doing what I love, and that's it. <laughs> that sounds great. 
So, so just to clarify, the answer is no, you wouldn't. The answer is no. Great. <laughs> yes, I, w- I would not. It, no, I'll find something else to do. If I'm not successful <laughs> in an acting career, there's plenty of other things. You know, I'll go to school and, and become like Jamie and talk to people about their uh, mental health issues. But I love it. It's not it's also, worth it, man. No, it's also wild that um, cults really go after actors <laughs> in these movies. It's <laughs> so <clears throat> wild. Like Even life. Nexium, like if you watch The Vow. Oh my uh-huh. gosh. Mm-hmm. That anyway. shit is wild. I know. But um, that's I a whole other conversation. That's a whole nother. We, we can do a whole thing on that. I have another yes. question for you to. Um, <clears throat> Uh, this is more meta, I guess, or, or not. It, you know, we, we discussed Roman Polanski being a criminal and a disgusting human being. Um, how and but we love this movie. Like this is a this is this is an incredible film. How yeah. do you or or how what what are your thoughts on separating art from the artist? You know, you know, you know. We even saw that. I mean, Mia Farrow, who has been involved with a lot of people who have. Um, turned out to be disgusting humans, like a Woody Allen type, um, Roman mm. Polanski, like, like, you know, Cosby, Michael Jackson. Like there's a lot of these artists in our lives who like brought us great joy and their art still does. However, how do we separate those two things? I'll just keep it open-ended for either of you to discuss that. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, Bill Cosby was the first person that popped up into my brain. And then when you said Michael Jackson, that's also true too, especially because they kind of lean into that in the Michael Jackson musical uh, of separating the artists and the work. And, and the same thing with like R. Kelly, which whew, was the whole thing. I, I think that People who do awful things should, you know, there are consequences for your actions and people who do those bad things need to be prosecuted for those specific things. No question, you know. And I think when justice is served in that way, when you know that what they did, they are being... um, punished for that or convicted in the right way for that. That is justice in itself to say, okay, I can appreciate what you've done, what you have done that has brought joy that has been, especially Bill Cosby and in the, for the black community, what he has done in that respect. He has helped elevate the black community, but he still needs to be, convicted for his actions and I think that when that happens we can have that justice and still enjoy um, what he's done for the community but also realize that him as a person he needs to be punished for those actions Uh, so yeah that's kind of how I feel about about the whole thing there's with this movie this is a great cultural movie for the horror genre and we all appreciate it and we love it but this man is awful and terrible and um we need to acknowledge that and with the whole oscar thing too i don't know why they they should have taken his oscar away from him because 
he's not a great person. Why would you hold him on this pedestal in that mm-hmm. way with these awards, with these things when he is not, uh, when he's done awful things, take it away, take, take the whole thing away, you know? Uh, yeah, that's how I feel. Jamie. Yeah. I think that like, cause I think about, you know, it's one person doing something that's like so abominable but like it's never just one person who's like involved in all of these in in like all of these things that people are creating and so it's like mm. it's so frustrating to kind of like you know internally make a decision of do i do i like avoid this thing because because someone who's involved in it is like a terrible person and like they you know they shouldn't be able to profit off of anything because of like Mm. the pain that they've caused people but also like these things aren't happening in a vacuum there's so many other people who like don't condone these things that have helped create these things and like do they like those are the questions that run through my head of like do they also like deserve to be penalized through no fault of their own because, and that's also not the case hundred percent of the time. Cause like there are people, like I don't understand how, um, uh, Oh my God. I like forgot his name because I blocked out of my head. Oh, I, okay. I'm putting it out there. I don't like Chris Brown. I don't understand mm. how Chris Brown keeps getting to make music and why people yeah. want to continue collaborating with Chris Brown. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. You are all entitled yep. to your separate opinion. But like something like that where it's like if you're if you as as a musician are like agreeing to keep working with someone that like you know has done something awful, like that makes me question you as well. But there, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case that like someone is knowingly working with someone or working with someone that they knowingly know has done or is doing something terribly. Um, and so like, those are, those are really the moments that I like, you know, internally struggle with of like, do I want to like avoid this thing? Because I, I also like, I want to support the other people who help create these things. Um, and I think that it is like, I think in those situations, like it is way more complicated and like, it's important to like have the conversations about it Mm -hmm. and like not avoid the topics. So yeah, I don't, I don't have a perfect answer because like, I don't think that there, I don't think there is one. I think it's very, I think context is like, yeah, it's super nuanced. I think context is really important when like making those decisions. Um, but yeah. Yeah. What about you, Brian? I mean, I it's complicated. I think I take it situation by situation. Part of me yeah. tricks myself, like you said, Jamie, a little bit. Like, I trick myself to be like, just Roman Polanski didn't make this movie. Mia Farrow's mm. performance makes this movie. The sound design makes this movie. There are so mm. many people in this movie and and worked in the cast and the crew that, like, even though this is technically his vision and he helped write the script and all that, like, you know, there's other things about this. Um, someone like Woody Allen, I just don't rewatch his movies anymore. I, I, I like mm. Woody Allen. I like some of the stuff. Also, some of the stuff is super creepy if you watch it, like with different context layered over it. Um, like, like that just doesn't interest me. Like, do I? I still listen to Michael Jackson songs. Like, I don't watch yeah. the Cosby Show reruns anymore or anything like that. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just like, oh, like perfect example. Like, 
I'll watch the X-Men movies again. But Brian Singer's a creep show. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, yeah. but like, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, it, 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 it just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a hypocrite and I'm, I'm conflicted. It, it, it depends on certain things, you know, like, you know, like there's some, like, you know, like, you know, uh, you also look at politicians like, you know, yeah. like, and, and you, and you can go into historical figures and stuff like that. You know, like this is this like, I mean, all of them, um, you know, like even Benjamin Franklin was a creep and like, yeah, but like if I needed glasses, like I would still wear bifocals, you know what I mean? Like, like, are you like, it's like, so right. it's just a stupid yeah. one. <laughs> that's but my it's... example. Yeah. That's not, <laughs> but you don't know. <laughs> Why? Why was that the one that came to mind? I don't know. I don't know. But my point is that it is. Well, I guess I can't wear bifocals anymore. Now yeah. I'm glassesless, mm-hmm. Jamie. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just I, I'm a hypocrite. But I, I take it situation by situation. It also depends on how much I like the art and the content they're creating. Like, yeah. But there. But also, there's a way now to get things for free. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like there are ways for me to go around paying for something if I don't want to give money yeah. to like someone's estate or whatever it may be. Does that mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. That I'm not directly like, but like, you know, again, that's a hypocrite because like, you know, I pay for Amazon and that, where do we, do we oh, we watch this on Showtime. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm watching all yep. these things. Like, listen, I still go to like, I shop at the Home Depot and I know that they're Republican and gave to Trump's like thing, but like, yeah, I, yeah, we gotta go to Lowe's. Yeah, I know we have to go to Lowe's, but like you know, like there's things that are just like I, I need to be better about like doing some of the research. It's like the, did you watch The Good Place? Yes. Yeah, The Good Place is a perfect example. Nobody could go, spoiler alert for The Good Place. Yeah. No one could mm-hmm. go to heaven anymore because you know anything you do is linked to something bad. You buy yeah. a paperclip from this company this company gave to this this company covered up this like all of like yep there's just no way around it it's really difficult unless you live in the woods and like just like you know you you, you can't be i don't know anyway long story short it's complicated i'm a hypocrite when it comes to certain things i just take it situation by situation realistically but i acknowledge that like this person is bad I'm happy to have a conversation about how bad this person is. I still yeah. like the way the art makes me feel. For sure. The same, I mean, the same mm. with Hamilton. They had a whole thing of changing Thomas Jefferson's song because he's talking about Sally, who was a slave that he had relations with. And when we came back from the pandemic, it was a whole thing of changing that number and putting something in the programs now about Sally and who she was to acknowledge her presence in Jefferson's life. And it's just, I mean, but like you said, Brian, all, all, all those people were not a thousand percent great, but we acknowledge what this musical is doing for people of color, as far as giving them job opportunities and putting in and um, the things that, Especially, oh my God, with that whole church situation, the oh, Hamilton yeah. church thing, which Ooh. I thought was a great thing that the Hamilton team did as far as taking all of those um, proceeds that are taking that money from the church and giving to the LGBTQ plus community. 
in Texas. So yeah, but Brian, you're exactly right. The good place is the perfect example. Everything you do is linked to something. So you just have to kind of go, you have to go with your own convictions. And yeah, that is that. Cool. So are we ready to Rotten Tomatoes this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Jamie? Why don't you guess first? Um, I'm gonna guess a ninety-three. All right, Nikisha, what are you gonna guess? I'm gonna, uh, ninety. Okay, uh, Rosemary's Baby has a ninety-six. On Rotten Tomatoes. Although the audience score is uh, an 87%. Again, there are only 78 reviews listed for this one. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there are over 50,000 for the audience score. Um, But the critics' consensus is a frightening tale of Satanism and pregnancy that is even more disturbing than it sounds thanks to convincing and committed performances by Mia Farrow and Ruth Gordon. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely. This Mm -hmm. movie, man, this movie just hits harder every single year. Like, as all the world keeps crumbling around us, like, this movie is kind of a perfect microcosm for everything in some ways. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, on that note, let's do the four S's. Yes. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We're going to start with the first three, rank them one through ten, and then we'll give our suggestions. Jamie, why don't you start with this one? Sure thing. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> for skulls, um, I am giving this a, I'm going to, I don't like all of my original scores, so I'm going to up all of them. Um, <laughs> for skulls, I'm giving this a seven um, because I believe in nosy neighbors. I believe in doctors just thinking they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I have seen and experienced being gaslit. So, like, I feel like there's a lot of reality in how people are acting. Um, uh, we'll show. Maybe, you know, with a few grains of salt. Um, for scares, I'm giving this a five. Um, because, again, like, it, it just, like, it, it feels so real in what she's experiencing and like gaslighting is very real and very scary, especially yes. if you're experiencing it and you're not sure what's happening to you. Um, it's it's very, very scary. Um, for shakes, I mean, I'm going to give it a nine. I haven't forgotten this movie since I first saw it in high school, and I don't think I'll ever forget this movie. Yeah. And only a nine? You are tough. You're a tough cookie. <laughs> Sorry I'm so hard on these movies. Nikisha? Should I give it a 10? I don't know. Oh, it's up to you. Uh, Skulls, I'm going to give a 7 for the same reasons Jamie was talking about. I'm also going to give a 5 for Scares. And I'm going to give an 8 for Shakes. I guess I'm hardcore, too. (laughs) Y'all crazy. It's a great movie. 
Um, uh, skulls, I'm giving it an uh, eight. I just, especially with the the dreams, and you mentioned like just like those little tidbits of Catholicism that she has in there, mm-hmm. and 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 just like really watching how someone can get gaslit like step by step is like terrifying. So also going into scares, I'm giving it a six um, because of all the gaslighting. Like I think it, it, I just wanted to tip it one over the midway mark at five, and then uh, shakes. This is a ten. This is a solid <laughs> 10. I don't think you get much better than this, really, when it comes to movies like this. I feel like this set the standard for a lot of the bad versions of the gaslighting and stuff that we see um, yeah. in this with, like, with like the friend who figures it out but, like, dies before they can tell you. And then, like, Always. you know, like, and then the twist. Of the, I, I just think this is a solid 10. Um, cool. Let's go through suggestions. Um, Jamie, you want to throw out some of those suggestion nuggets? I don't know why I said it. Like. Uh, didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I only I only did one for this week. Um, so my suggestion, similar kind of tone, vibe, um, also similar like satanic panic. I have a real – I really like this particular um, subgenre. Um, the OG – Omen. Yeah. Little, little Damien. He, little Damien. uh, something ain't right with, with him. So, it's a good uh, one. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love this movie. Nikisha, what do you got? I got Midsummer for gaslighting. Ooh, good one. And all things woman in pain. Nobody believe in her. Awesome. It's good. Uh, yeah. I went with the invisible woman. Um, also great. Yeah. The Invisible Man. Sorry, The Invisible Man. I I keep calling but, it Invisible yes. Woman, but it's The Invisible Man. With, yeah, uh, you can see her. You can see her. <laughs> uh, gaslighting, people not believing her, uh, and then her kind of having to figure out herself and taking this into her own hands. Um, <clears throat> uh, that's that's what I, I went with. Um, the Invisible, yeah. the remake of The Invisible Man with, um, what's her name? Yeah. Handmaid's um, own. <laughs> uh, why can't I think of her name in this moment? I can't either. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Moss. Thank you. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, cool. I was like, Elizabeth Branch? <laughs> Elizabeth Tree? Am I, that's what my brain is going through. Nice. Yeah, Elizabeth Pile of Leaves. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, That ends our episode of Rosemary's Baby. You can follow us on all of the social medias on Instagram and TikTok. And now on the YouTubes. Hi, guys. What's up? Hi. Looking at us. We're looking at you. Uh, And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure. They can listen to us wherever you get podcasts, including things like Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Also, in all seriousness, rating us and reviewing us in there, you know, really helps us to get found. Um, We're having a really excellent time doing this. We hope that you're enjoying it as well. Um, So we would really appreciate all of those things. Thank you. Beautiful. And Brian, what's what's the quote that we're ending on? Your your favorite one next to the pain one shut up you're in Dubrovnik I don't hear you (laughs) but I'll uh, also you really should discover the swinging world of Yamaha pain be gone I'll have no more of thee but yeah you shut up you're in Dubrovnik I don't hear you is true is a true classic line Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, she just gives it right off the top. It's she wonderful. she wonderful doesn't even hesitate. Nope. Yeah. Nope. That's wonderful. <laughs> oh, wait, has anyone here read the book? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. We can end it there. No, I know already. Either. I was curious. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.